You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. final week of our series of Bring. And you know, this is the purpose, sorry Pastor Rach, there'll be a really good series next, next week. Hey, uh, this is our purpose. We're meant to bring people to Jesus. And you know, we've had some incredible revelation, Pastor Simo kicked us off and he talked about bringing people into your story. Do you remember? He's funny. He was talking about creating space He was talking about being intentional and going below the surface with people because we just don't do that enough in our world. And it's below that surface where you get the opportunity to bring in the power of Jesus. And then Pastor Nate, he spoke that our life is a ministry and that when we live from that place, it creates this desire in people to actually hear the message of Jesus And then Pastor Keith last week, you know, God's grand plan was in play before the creation of the world and He was planning for us. He has plans for our life. And so we come to the the final week and you know, it's actually the final week in an entire three-month journey that we've been on in terms of building the Father's house. And so as I was praying to God, I'm like, God, what do you want me to bring today? And I, I kind of felt like it's the graduation it's the graduation speech. And I've got my, you know, crew mobile. No, you're all sitting here and, and it's like the mobilisation. It's like sending you out. What would we say on graduation day so that all the training and all the equipping and all the revelation that you have received over the past three months about God's heart for people, God's heart for His house, God's heart for the people that aren't in this house yet, all of the incredible revelation that you have received. Now, we get to go out. We get to live it out. And so what would God wanna say to us as we walk out of here today? And so I'm really excited because I feel like He's got this bit of a call to action message for us today. And, um, you know, in all the really significant moments in history, in the Bible that we read through, in the uh, passing on of one thing to another or the beginning of something new, there was this stirring speech, a call to action. And uh, the, the people like when Moses was talking about them going in to conquer the promised land, there was a reminder of what to do when you leave this moment because it's an incredible moment, but there is a great action and journey to come. And how are you gonna get through that and do all that God has called you to do? And so, you know, I remember studying at university. And for those that don't know, in a past life, I was a speech pathologist. And I studied for four years, learning everything about anatomy and about speech and language and the brain. And I remember how excited I was when I finally graduated. I got my first job in Newcastle. That's why I'm here. Who knows that God uses all things to put you in the right place, even if you don't end up doing the very thing that you were trained for. And I remember being nervous on my first day, but so excited to finally be able to use what I'd learned, finally be able to practice. So that's what we're doing today, church. Are we ready? Awesome. All right. So we're going to turn to a story today in Acts. So if you've got your Bibles... I want you to turn to Acts 8. And, you know, we're going to live in this story today. And it's one that, you know, I believe 
that we're going to come back to in these times when we go out from here and as we're outworking the action and the stirring of our hearts that God's going to be doing through us. And it's one that's going to spur us in our faith and it's going to remind us of all that is possible. And I also believe that it speaks into the blocks that pop up whenever we talk about sharing the message of Jesus. Now, I know that I, I don't, there's probably not many of us here that don't have some little block that sometimes pops up when we get the opportunities to share Jesus. And this story is going to speak into our feelings of disqualification or our feelings that, um, that we can't do it because there's actually a relationship back to a woman who was completely disqualified and yet became the catalyst for revival. And, you know, I know some of you have been sowing and sowing and sowing, and this story is going to speak to time to not lose hope in the sowing because there will be a harvest. That's God's promise to you. And for some, we can ask, where's the fruit? Like, I can't see this incredible fruit. But we need to know that in this story, what we see is that a seed planted here had incredible harvest over here for this next generation and we can't lose or get weary in doing that and and it also shows that it's not too hard it shows a city that got transformed in the midst of great opposition it shows the unlimited power of God and it shows ordinary people not apostles not ordained ministers not people who were given the ministry of teaching or preaching the word it shows ordinary people doing extraordinary things under the worst circumstances and if God's word is true and they can do it in here then I believe that's the stirring of faith in us today that no matter what we see outside of these four walls that we can absolutely do it here All right, so let's read this together. Actually, I'll just tell you before we start the context because it really helps put it into perspective. So we're in Acts 8 and this is the beginning of the church. The uh, people are becoming followers of Jesus. And in chapter 6 and 7, we see this man named Stephen. So Stephen is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and he is one of seven men who are chosen by the church to um, help in the ministry to the widows because there was a bit of tension between um, the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews. And he goes out on the streets and he is witnessing in the power of grace. Now, up until this point, there is great tension in Jerusalem because the Jewish religious leaders do not like what is being talked about in terms of the way. They don't like this message of Jesus Because they're the ones that crucified Jesus. And so the apostles have already been dragged in. I want you to picture it in your head. They've been dragged in before this Jewish religious council on numerous occasions. They've been warned. They've been flogged. So it's really tense. And yet here's Stephen out there preaching power and the glory of God. He's preaching Jesus. He is dragged before this religious leaders. Now they have the backing of the people. It's an angry mob. He delivers a stunning speech in chapter 7. It is full of power. It is full of wisdom. And yet it calls out the hypocrisy of the Jewish leaders. And they are so incited that they drag him out into the streets and they stone him to death. 
kind of puts our stuff in a little bit of perspective sometimes. And so this is the context of the story that we are about to read in Acts 8. It's really not looking good for the followers of Jesus. So let's start from verse 1. And Saul approved of their killing him. This is when we first start to hear about Saul. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Okay, it's really not looking good now. Then those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And Philip went down to a city in Samaria and he proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. And so there was great joy in that city. Awesome. We get to some positive at the end, which is where God's showing that we can do anything. But I want you to picture, it would be like right now, we've got the Goldsworthies, the Bakers, the Fiends, they're being dragged out of their houses, they're being put in jail, right? And then the McQuillans get dragged out, and then there's no respecter of persons. It's going to say Grace and Ron Thorpe get dragged out, and they're beaten, and they're thrown in jail. This is like what's happening. And you go down the street and you are shunned. You are blocked on Facebook by all your friends. You cannot go and buy food. I don't know, but there was a great persecution happening amongst the Christians. And they weren't safe outside of their homes, but they weren't even safe inside of their homes. Like we think that home is a sanctuary, but what the Bible says is Saul was so zealous to persecute them that he would go and drag them from their places. What would you do? What would you actually do in this moment? Because the response here of the followers of Jesus is absolutely remarkable. That those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And then we get the story of Philip and the amazing signs and wonders that were outworked in the city of Samaria. They are fleeing for their lives and they have lost absolutely everything. And yet they cannot help but talk of the saving power of Jesus everywhere that they go. I tell you what, that hits me right here. Because he was so real to them. It was so real to them what Jesus had done that they couldn't help but talk about him, even when they were being so incredibly persecuted for their faith. And I think that there are things that we can absolutely learn as we go out from here today so that we are just like those people, so that we are so convinced of the saving power of Jesus that it does not matter what comes up against us, that we're going to stick to the call to action. There is a whole world out there There is a whole world that needs Jesus. And unless we as the church, as true followers of Jesus, get it on the inside of us that this isn't an optional extra, but it comes out of exactly who we are, then that whole world is going to miss out. 
And I know I get a bit intense at times. My husband told me I needed to put light and shade in my sermon because I just like go. But I'm really passionate about these people because we, we just can't listen to the messages of the last three months and then go, awesome, next series, what's on? Will this speak to me? Because there's a reason that God took us through that. And I believe a significant moment today that's a turning point for us individually, as a church, something shifts in us where we get it to a whole new place. Amen? So if there's two things, only two things today, you can write down the messages from this slide and you'll pretty much have my message. If I can tell you anything in the stirring graduation speech, it's would you remember the plan and play our part? That's it. Remember the plan, play our part. And the funny thing is, I've been studying Old Testament through the Masters and, you know, every stirring speech that every Bible hero ever gave to his people, funnily enough, has the exact same points. Remember the plan, peoples, and play your part because that's all there is to it because God's got it. And we just have to get into his slipstream and go along with him. So if you've ever found yourself utter any of these following statements, I won't ask you to put your hand up. I perhaps have uttered most of them. That's probably why I could think of them. But, oh, there's just no truth anymore and it's not going to get any better. Or there's just nothing we can do about the loss of Christian values in society. Or maybe, you know, we've got an election coming up, but it's just too hard for someone with a strong Christian faith to make it in politics anymore. It's only a matter of time before we can't speak about Jesus in our schools. I fear for the world that my children will grow up in. Like, have any of those words come out of our mouth? Like, have we got to the point where that's the way that we think? Because this is the moment where we need to come back and remember the plan. Because despite what it looks like, there's a plan. And God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. So we've just sat in the context of this plan and we've just seen that it looks horrible, absolutely horrible for the followers of Jesus. But we are not unaware of the enemy's schemes. Now, I don't know whether they were thinking this at the time and we get the benefit of hindsight. But we now, when life just goes ridiculous, when it all seems to be wrong, have the benefit of knowing these cold, hard facts that Satan is constantly at work to persecute and destroy anything that brings the light of Jesus into this world. That is a fact. If you ever try and step out to bring the message of Jesus, there will probably be something that comes up against you. But that doesn't mean don't do it. Because here is the more important fact that God is all-powerful, knows every scheme of the enemy and has already crushed it under his feet. And not only will he actually defeat the scheme, but here's how good God is. He'll take the scheme, he'll completely turn it around and he'll bring about a tenfold increase for you and for anything that you're ministering to, to the point that the enemy will go, man, that really sucks. Because I was going to destroy that person with that illness. I was going to destroy you with depression. But now 
God has taken that very thing and the transforming power of Jesus that is in your heart is the very message that not only redeems your life, but is gonna redeem 10 lives around you because they also are gonna be set free from depression. Whatever it is that the hardship is that comes up against you as you try and live your faith, you need to know that God is gonna produce a harvest far greater than anything that has been lost or stolen from you. That is throughout the Word of God. There are so many promises. And we sang a song before where we declare that Jesus, every word you say is true. So if every word He says is true, and this word actually gets on side of us, then we know, we know that we can overcome. And so I love, because what we see in this story is that God took the very thing that Saul and the religious leaders were doing to destroy the church, that was their plan, is the very thing that actually caused the church to expand. So if we jump back to Acts 1, can you jump back to Acts 1 and in verse 8? We find that Jesus is talking to his disciples and he tells them, you know, wait. And in verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And where? Say it loud. Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Does it sound familiar? Let's take that scripture now and put it back in the context of what we're reading in Acts 8.1. And it says, And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. We see that God is taking this incredible persecution. And do not hear that God caused the persecution. He does not want to see anything harm His children. But there is stuff at play in this world. Okay, and God will use whatever happens to bring about His good plans and purposes. So He takes this and He scatters His followers to Judea and Samaria and from there to the ends of the earth. Now, I did look up what it means to scatter and I'm not going to try and say the word because I'll pronounce it wrong, but it's used in this idea of scattering like seed, like the people were scattered like seed. Now, why would God do that? Why would he take them from their beautiful holy huddle and scatter them like seed and send them off? Think about it. These people had to flee from their homes. It's like you tomorrow being told you've got to get out. Grab a backpack, grab your kids, you're on your feet and go to some place that you have no idea about it. You've got nowhere to live, you've got no food and go. That's what happened to these people. They were scattered like seed. But a farmer scatters seed, why? Yeah, he wants to increase. You put all your seed in one spot, you're not going to end up with much. But if you scatter your seed across an entire field, you end up with an incredible harvest. So that is what God was doing in this moment. He is sending out and He knows He's going to provide for these people. You don't need to fear that when God scatters, when God sends us into places that are really hard, workplaces where the culture is not for God. You know, you might find yourself in a family where you're the only believer. 
You might find yourself somewhere that you feel like you are all alone. Know that God will provide for you. He will send support for you. He will make a way for you because all you need to do is remember the plan. Remember that it's all as a part of what he's doing. And I can't help think, because this is me. If this had happened, if this happens tomorrow, my first go-to would be, right, let's strategize here. How do we stop the scatter? We've got to stop the persecution. Let's pray. Let's get Bronnie McQuillan praying down, breaking the enemy's plans. Let's stop the persecution, stop the scatter. Let's figure out how we make this thing better. And I don't know about you, but I felt like God say, hey, in those moments, I want your go-to to be remember the plan. Go to God, hang in His presence. He'll remind you of the plan and then enable you and empower you to actually walk in that because it's not about our comfort and security but it's about God's plan and it's not about trusting our own hands but God's hands and the Bible is seriously one big story of God's plan that has been running since the beginning of time this is what Pastor Keith spoke to us last week and he is not surprised by anything. Nothing is outside of his power and his ability to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. So you walk out of here pumped today and you go to work and you get this situation that's awkward and it's like politically correct and you're knowing that God's saying, hey, you've got to speak into this. And you go, okay, I will, and you do it. And then you get shunned or you get ignored by your friends or it's incredibly awkward and now you've got to be in this workplace. Remember the plan because you have no idea the seed that you just planted in that conversation may lead to someone's salvation or it may lead to someone's revival later on down the track. I remember the story, Pastor Keith, you said about you started a prayer meeting in a school didn't look like much, but now there's a church in that place. I have no doubt that that's a part of God's plan. That's not coincidence that that just happened. That has absolutely been a part of God's plan all along in breaking ground to release now what that church will do in that space. It will be glorious. There'll be revival there. And part of that will be able to be tracked back to a student who started a prayer meeting in that place and prayed and brought some spiritual breakthrough. Amen. I love this about Christianity. It's got a bit of guts to it. You know, when life gets tough, we don't just go, oh, that's fate. I'll just, it's my lot in life. And I just got to walk this now for the rest of my life. And you know what? My children can live out the great things that God will do. Nah, nowhere in the Bible does it say that. I love it that when life gets tough, we just go, hey, you know what? God's bigger. He's got a plan. He's more powerful. And I'm going to walk in that plan and I'm going to listen to His Spirit. Amen? Does anybody agree? You can be vocal. That's awesome. Hey, and there's a second part, and it's to play our part. And I love, I love when God does this in Scripture because in, you know, He doesn't put things in that aren't important. But in verse 4, it says those, oh, sorry, not verse 4, ah, la, 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 in verse 1, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. It wasn't the apostles. He just brought it right down to you and me. 
right down to the ordinary people just doing the ordinary things every day in your workplace, in your life, in your family, in your neighbourhood. You all have a part to play and I can tell you that this will not happen unless we do it together. I saw like an en masse mobilisation here. It wasn't just about one or two people. We go, yeah, they've got the evangelistic gift over here or they're really good at connecting with people. Do you know what? I'm an introvert. I can't tell you how many times I heard at conference pastors who are preaching saying they're introverts. This is not within our like personality here to pastor, to be with people all the time. I just think it's God's sense of humour. Whatever personality you think you have, God is bigger than it. And we are actually all called to connect with people. We're all actually called to bring the message of Jesus to people, whether we're the most extroverted person or whether we're the shyest person here. You have a part in this plan to play and we need you to plan it, to play it, sorry. You know, and then the story zeroes in on Philip. I love, he goes to Samaria, he proclaims the Messiah. Like, there's no hint here of the incredible backstory that's happened up to this point. It just goes into the fact that he goes in there and he proclaims the Messiah. And when the crowds heard Philip and they saw the signs he performed, they played close attention. And then we've got demons fleeing. We've got lame people getting up and walking. We've got paralyzed people getting out of bed. And we've got great joy and great revival in that city. So much so that later on, if we kept reading, it gets back to Jerusalem and they send the apostles down there because something's happening. Something incredibly was happening and they needed to come down and wanted to be a part of that. And what you need to know is if you track through this city that's spoken about where Philip went, the city that was touched by the power and message of Jesus, It's a city that commentators and historians say is likely to be the same city where Jesus spoke to the woman at the well. So remember that passage that we've been following through John 4. He spoke to her and she went and told her town and they came out and many believed that day is now the same place that we are seeing massive revival a few years later. And at the beginning of John 4, we see that it was the well where Jesus met the woman, was near the plot of ground that Jacob bought way back when, gave it to his son Joseph and established a well there. I don't know, but there's a plan here that Jacob buys some land. Doesn't look like much. He just needed some land to live in and he builds a well. But somewhere way, way, way over here, this very infrastructure, well, creates a space for an encounter with Jesus that so transforms a disqualified woman's life that she goes and tells her city about it and there's the beginning of this group of people who love Jesus that then a few years later over here, incredible revival. That's not a coincidence. And it's all about the stories of people. We've got Jacob being obedient and buying land. We've got a woman who in fact, and hear this, her very disqualification was the reason she was in that place in the first, like that's why she was there. That's why she encountered Jesus at that time. So your disqualification, whatever you think it is, you don't live with that and it doesn't disqualify you from encountering Jesus. But the woman and then Philip is obedient to go and preach the Messiah. 
It is because of the seeds that were planted over time that there's actually a harvest of revival over here. I love this. I love seeing the beginning of Abraham through to Jacob, through to the woman at the well, all the way over to Philip. And we need to remember, team, that it's not a random act cosmic forces, that you are sitting in this place today. And it's not even, you know what? I grew up in a Christian home. That's not why I'm a Christian. I would love, I hope Jesus shows me one day, the backstory to my life. All the people along the way who planted a seed, who did something that led to my great-great-grandparents, whatever, something, and then led to my grandparents who, you know, are Christians. They were the first Christians. What got them to that point? that then planted a seed that led to my life. And now what seeds are gonna come out of my life in a hundred years time, they're gonna look back and go, wow, look at that. Look at that lineage through people and the power of a seed. And the only reason that that happens is because of the plan. It's nothing that I do, I'm just obedient. Nothing that you have to do, just be obedient. Recognise that there is a plan in play. Jacob had sowed. Jesus had sowed, the woman had sowed. I'm sure there are many others that sowed and watered and Philip got a harvest of a revival. And I wonder if the outpouring of the signs and the wonders that he saw there were because of prayer meetings that might've happened between this woman and their followers. And they're kind of praying going, God, we thought there was gonna be breakout here, but there's kind of not, we're a bit disillusioned. And then few years later, they see the harvest of that seed that they had planted. You know, sometimes our purpose, church, is to plant seed. Sometimes it's to buy the building. I tell you what, in worship, that Victory Centre, do not mistake it. It's the infrastructure that in time to come is the very well where people will encounter Jesus. It is not just a building. Okay, it is a place where people will encounter Jesus and their lives will be transformed and we are just being obedient to the many things in life that God calls us to step into and you are a part of that. You are a part of planting the seed. You are a part of buying the infrastructure. You are a part of being in ministries that look really small at the moment. Playgroup looks really small at the moment, but you know how significant it is? So significant. Who knows what revival is gonna come out of playgroup, out of life skills, out of your V group. Who knows what's gonna come out of youth, out of young adults. I believe that there are incredible seeds that have been planted that we get to harvest and there are incredible seeds that we will plant. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if we're planting seeds, if we're watering seeds, if we're harvesting seeds. That's not the important thing. What is important is that we remember the plan and we play our part. And church, I honestly believe that this series and now stepping out from this series is this pivotal moment that in the generations to come, they're going to look back. It's going to be one of those moments. Hey, that's when C3 Victory got super intentional about this thing and they really went for it, everybody. And now we're gonna look back on that moment like Jacob buying the well, like the woman encountering Jesus. It's gonna be a significant moment. 
Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.